I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As always, I am your host, Derek Carey, and with me tonight are Andrew Shearer of Gonzorific Films, Mark the Movie Man, as always, and Paul Salzer. How are you gents doing tonight? Andrew, give it to me. How was your Memorial Day weekend? It was filled with art, fart, and happiness. <laughs> I, I like a dis. And Mark, what about a you? Uh, it was it was fine, though I found a new definition for caterpillar. Uh, <laughs> don't spill the beans. Don't spill those spill beans. beans. <laughs> pick them up. Caterpillar, I hardly know. Oh, my God. Uh, true story. I lost my shit when I saw that. Paul... How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I had a great weekend with my family and uh, uh, re-sparked my love for fire. (laughs) Fire? Okay. I I grilled the meat and just like, oh, yummy. Oh, good. I was was thinking that you went around and you started lighting things on fire, just random houses and cats and dogs. I don't need a holiday for that. He didn't didn't have a guitar shooting fire, so he grabbed his kid's toy ukulele and strapped a firework to it. <laughs> so, so next point of conversation. How many times have each of you seen Mad Max: Fury Road? Mark, we'll start with you. I've seen it two, only because my wife goes, you know, by the third time you paid for it, you could have spent the money to buy it. <laughs> well, I'll be doing that too. I saw it twice. I saw it in 3D, and then I didn't see it in 3D. I'll probably. Yeah. And the thing is, I was uh, talking to somebody. I might go again on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm thinking of going for five dollar Tuesday. I may still go. So, so two times so far. <laughs> Other, Andrew, I know you've seen it once. Oh uh, yeah, I, I went for the the 3D. So you know, paces <laughs> everything's everything's good. Three beers and it looks good, eh? Uh, Paul, you have you seen the Furious Road yet? I've seen it once and I'll see it again in 3D. <laughs> Uh, 3D was almost was almost too much. Like uh, the first time seeing it, I I I, I think I should have saved it. <laughs> it was better seeing it 2D first time, 3D second time because. Well, the- I just looked at all that crazy cinematography in the trailer and was like, um, yeah, this one starts earlier, so that's the one I'm gonna see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it like yeah. other 3D movies though? Like, like by the end, you don't even notice it anymore. Just like your mind oh, starts no. to. Oh, oh no! It still keeps going. Oh no! He it was it was very consciously filmed with 3D in mind. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so apparent too when you finally see it in 2D after seeing it in 3D because there's just some shots, and I'm not gonna spoil or ruin anything for anyone, even though anyone that's listening to Astro Radio Z is an avid fan of Astro Radio Z. I'm sure you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, and if you hadn't, oh man, I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> I'm really disappointed in you as the host of this show what have I, have I done anything right in this world nothing <laughs> apparently nothing so but uh but it, it it's an astro radio z show it's got mutants it's got explosions it's it, it's got uh 
people get, having their breasts pumped for for milk for was that like a was that like some sort of like com- a rare commodity like a delicacy for these people it, it I was, didn't I didn't understand that at all. It wasn't a delicacy; it was an alternative to water. But is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, that That's was the I mean. alternative to water, so it was still high priced, but not as high as water, because he didn't want him addicted to water. Right, <laughs> aqua cola. Aqua cola, yes. Oh man, yeah, the Fury Road, amazing. Yeah, but it's definitely filmed with 3D in mind. There's just certain shots that so was, just screamed so was, out. So was Poltergeist, but Poltergeist was not good. So, <laughs> you know, you're not the only person that saw it this weekend that I had talked to, and the other person that saw it was like, eh, it, it was, it was right. there. It, it, it was. I'll put it this way, and I, I just finished my review of it. I'm, it's going up tomorrow, uh, but. Based Basically, I said, as a standalone horror film, if they didn't try to make it poltergeist, it probably would have been more enjoyable for me. But as it, even then, it was still better than I thought it would be, but it still wasn't great. It was kind of there. Well, the trailer kind of showed you exactly what kind of like middle of the road kind of flick it was going to be, and it didn't it didn't pull me in. And this is actually a great segue into what our episode proper tonight is: uh, modern horror rebirth. And the reason why I titled the episode this is because lately, slowly but surely, I've been noticing, and and I'm sure Andrew and Mark. And Paul can attest to this more than I, because you guys actually are film critics, that there's been a lot of good horror movies that have been coming out lately that have been flying under the radar um, and aren't getting the due that maybe a film that has the budget of a poltergeist gets because of the name recognition. And just like you said, Mark, that these films, they could have been other films, but because they have um, the title brand recognition, they're going to get out there and people are going to have an awareness of them where um, say the films I want to talk about tonight. And the reason why I, I wanted to do this episode were that I'm bringing in three films in particular that I thought were just like, wow, these, these are awesome. How come they're not out there for everyone to watch? And that was um, starry eyes oh. and late phases Mm-hmm. And uh, the Babadook. The Babadook now had had some real street cred. There was a lot of uh, people talking about the Babadook. A lot of a lot of you know hype surrounding that one. But the other two, not so much. Um, and I, that's, I'm starting to feel like I'm seeing more and more and more of these kind of quiet horror films that are coming out that are kicking my ass. So I wanted to to bring on you guys to sit and let's give the listeners some hope. There are good horror movies being made now. You don't have to spend your money on a middle-of-the-road Poltergeist remake. Uh, Mark, let's start with you, since how you brought in uh, the Poltergeist angle here. I mean, what are your thoughts? You watch a hell of a lot more movies than I do. I mean, what are your thoughts on the modern horror film in general? Uh I think there are a lot of films that are going under the radar, and it's a shame to see what makes it to the big screen wide release and what doesn't. I mean, a classic example is with the Poltergeist remake, but if you want to compare more apples to apples, while I enjoyed it follows quite a bit, 
I can't understand how It Follows got such wide release, yet The Babadook didn't. Because to me, The Babadook, both are decent horror films in their own right, but The Babadook really struck more of a chord with a lot of people, yet that didn't get wide release. And and I don't understand that. Um, You you know, and it's frustrating. For me, I watch a lot of indie films. and micro budget screeners and such. And there's some good stuff out there. Uh, one of them uh, that's kind of flew under the radar for a long time and finally getting noticed was pieces of talent. I saw that like two years ago, I think at the Oshkosh horror film festival. Uh, and it was fantastic. Just really a different take on the slasher. It was like an half indie drama, half slasher. And it was, it, it blew me away when I watched it because it was wild because it was one of those where you finished it and you're like, holy crap, it went there. <laughs> you know, it, it it's was, a very like, interesting flick. I mean, I, I was lucky enough at uh, Cinema Wasteland last October to have a table right next to Joe, uh, sure. the director of Pieces of Talent. And uh, I, I got the opportunity to actually see the film. And yeah, it's definitely a different take on that whole subgenre of film. And he's got a, a fabulous eye. I mean, the oh. film looked great. Yeah, I mean, the cinematography looked really good in it, and it was just shot different than what you would expect for a movie like that to be shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what caught me was the cinematography. And I think that's one of the things that stood, has been standing out for me for some of these new modern horror films that are under the radar is people are taking time with their cinematography and their camera shots now. It, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of really you know cheaply shot stuff, but a lot of those out there, a lot more people you can tell are actually taking time, setting up shots, paying attention to the way things are framed, um, you know, and it's just it blows you away when you run across those because you're like, oh, wow, someone's actually making something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, Pieces of Talent is one of the ones that really just – that's a film that stuck with me for a long time and still stuck with me today. Um, I remember a good chunk of it because of the, the killer, David Long, because he's such a different character, too. Uh, he, he's not a hide-in-the-shadows type of guy. He's just this ballsy guy that really does some wild stuff, and it, it never goes... It, they, some of these films, they seem to now know how far to push it to where it doesn't feel like it's a Saw ripoff. Mm-hmm. And Pieces of Talent does that. It, it, he does some things in there that you would think, oh, great, here we go. But then it's handled completely different, I think, than the way you expect. Um, yeah, I'm, I think, you know, and, and it's good that you brought up the Saw references that I think we finally moved past that stage now in horror films i think i i think we we're finally past at least in in like mainstream horror cinema we're kind of past the torture stuff in in underground cinema not even close to done with that stuff <laughs> no i mean no. it's that's the vast majority of all underground cinema still and when i go to film festivals and i go to conventions it's a lot of it's that stuff a lot of it's that stuff mm-hmm. and uh it's kind of depressing I, I don't know how people can sit and watch that stuff endlessly. I mean, um, but that, that's just up to personal taste. Um, 
Andrew, what what about you? How do you how do you feel about the state of horror cinema right now? Well, I mean, uh, it's uh, for like multiplex, like Hollywood horror. There's, I mean, just in general, yeah. Because I mean, we're we're really kind of talking about separate things. I I really think that when uh, when like horror fans uh, complain online that horror horror is bad, uh, I don't think they really deserve good movies. They're you know, <laughs> good good horror movies are wasted on those people. There, mm-hmm. and, and I think um, uh, the best horror stuff being made today is being made with uh, someone in mind. Besides the the horror fans and the best filmmakers that are making those things are not necessarily the fanboys that have grown up to uh, you know to make their own movies. Yeah, I, I often find that those sometimes are the very worst ones, are the ones where the guys are just kind of copying their heroes, following trends, you know, doing what they think. Uh, my my favorite stuff has been ones that are seem to be if they're not shooting for. Uh, a wider audience they're shooting for um, an audience that actually just enjoys great cinema and if we look kind of back at what the great horror movies were of previous decades they're not necessarily going to be the multiplex hits the box office champs or any of that stuff uh, the greatest stuff has been you know smaller and the ones that set trends off in our independence so um, mm-hmm. uh, with with vid- video on demand now I think the playing field is open you know Mark's question about why did um, it follows get a huge release and Babadook did not uh, Babadook was released by IFC films which is not a big company and doesn't typically do a wide release of anything it follows was supposed to have been uh, a vid- video on demand release it was going to be a couple theaters and on demand release it's a uh, radius is the uh, VOD arm of uh, Weinstein company basically right and it was just like word of mouth was so insane they were like let's try this and if you remember they canceled the VOD date for it following yep. oh yeah so that was kind of an anomaly there, and uh, it'll be cool to see if um, anybody else has the guts to to try that. That was a shocker to me. Why that film got the the hype, and they must have it must have t- tested through the roof on this in, in the slight little small theaters that actually. I mean, do you do you know exactly why? Beyond what? I mean, was it did it do a small release first and then then get pumped out there? I mean, I I'm still yeah. kind of confounded by what it all happened with that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was going to be they did this the typical thing, you know, they do the the theatrical window, which is just select cities limited release, and then you do the uh, the uh, the wide, which is basically in uh, digital. It it never goes wide theatrically. It never plays mm-hmm. down the street from you. It never right. plays in the farmland that's between New York and Los Angeles. So like, um, really, it was just such such a strong thing uh such a strong response and such a cheap movie keep yeah totally um, that they're like okay well we can just pump everything into marketing and we can pump everything into into uh op- opening it wide because so it was such a low budget movie that you know the people that look at the money go like you know and keep in mind the weinstein company uh, they're like, well, we can take a chance on this. We've got to at least try one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it could have yep. been any. It could have been any movie. They just. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be the word of mouth, and this was so strong because a youth-oriented movie, all young yeah. characters, a story about the people that. Because you know, people like me and you, all of us here, we're not what's powering box office dollars. We're not making yep. movies a success. And if you think that anyone's going to make movies for you, you're totally wrong. It's not mm-hmm. happening. That Scream Factory, that's yours. You know those. Uh, the Blu-ray yeah. and all of that. Those are for you. This stuff is not. And they 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 wisely, uh, uh, you know, picked a uh, a youth-oriented movie to try and shove out there. And uh, you know, 
because if someone's going to someone's going to make them the money it's going to be a young audience is going to see horror yeah and and while i i personally and this is just a matter of of taste i i personally didn't like it follows but i was really glad that something like that i was able to go to the theater and actually see because most of those types of films are now relegated as you had said to video on demand now yeah, or yeah, streaming and, and you know babadook is about a single mom you know they're not all rushing out to the theaters to yeah. make a horror movie famous. So that's there's a lot of reasons. But look at the movie itself. You know, absolutely. It's not horror, but in the same vein, I was surprised that uh, X Machina got wide release too. So you you know that's another indie film. It's not horror, but that's another indie film that because of the buzz and everything, it got out. You know, it got wide released, yeah. uh, but it started out small. But it got such a, and I think social media really attributes to that nowadays. And they're monit, sorry, they're monitoring that a lot more nowadays. Uh, well, absolutely. Supposedly, the new Friday the Thirteenth film changed focus because of uh, that public outrage of the found footage <laughs> angle they were going to take with that thing. God, I, I hope they don't start listening to YouTube commenters and IMDb commenters to put out <laughs> movies because, like, you'll get exactly the kind of movies that that you deserve. You know, <laughs> you'll get exactly well, that. Yeah, can you imagine a movie based on YouTube comments? It'd be Ugh. like it'd be like if you decided to play Halo at some night. All you would it would be the most racist, derogatory piece of shit <laughs> you'd ever. Anyways, so anyways, but <laughs> they'll hate it anyway. The Andy Cop, uh, uh, the late Andy Cop filmmaker, he said that a horror audience are impossible to please, so don't try. And I oh, I think nope. that's the greatest advice I would ever give somebody that was making one of these things. Absolutely, and the th- and the thing about it is, I think some of these films, uh, um, and Paul, I will get you right in a second after I uh, after I say this. <laughs> not I have not forgotten about you. Not a problem. <laughs> it, it, I think some of this is in that spirit. Um, is that these these films that I've seen lately, kind of completely throw out the rule book. And like the like the Babadook, in in Starry Eyes, or let's just let's just look at late phases, in particular. Yes. I don't, did you guys have you guys all seen late phases? Yes. Um, and, and for the audience that aren't aware of what this film is, it's essentially. And when I told this synopsis to somebody last night, they they giggled and asked me if it was a comedy, and it's not. It's a it's a horror film, a werewolf film, about a blind uh, retired vet who who moves into a retirement village, and there are werewolves. So it's a werewolf film in a retirement village. <laughs> And I was told, well, that's got to be a comedy, right? <laughs> like, no, it's not. It's not Bubba Hotep. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's something completely different. But the thing about it is, is that from a purely marketing standpoint, what kills films like horror films flat? Kids and old people. Yeah. And the Duke has a kid as a main central character and which which surprising to me is one of the big gripes of the film even though i thought the kid was fabulous in it and um late phases is almost entirely elderly people um but uh, but the thing about it is is that it's this completely patient character driven piece that when it hits 
the horror aspect, it hits it and it hits it hard. <laughs> and it doesn't pander. And that's that's the thing about these films in particular that I, I wanted to bring to the table today is are that it feels like filmmakers are just because they they're forced to make good films again and that's the only way you'll you'll stand out in the sea of all of these cookie cutter zombie films and remakes and other properties that are lesser versions of other films is to finally go back to the drawing board and start making good movies again you know these films uh, lately that I've seen that have really hit me have been almost atmosphere pieces where they've been very thought out and it follows definitely it it was one of those pieces where there was a lot more going on underneath the hood um, regardless of my taste of what I thought about it um, this is what I'm kind of appreciating and I don't know if it's if, if it's a new genre of quote unquote emotional horror I had somebody uh, a producer that I know kind of say this on one of my little because I now for some reason I started doing these like little two line reviews on Facebook for the stuff that I've been watching and I had one a producer go yeah what's with these emotional horror movies that are coming out now <laughs> and I love it these are my kind of movies and I, I'm really happy that people are finally taking the time to do this kind of stuff again and um, so so Paul what I mean what are your thoughts on the state of the horror film and what are some of the movies that you think um, kind of typify your your thoughts on kind of the rebirth of what horror should be. Oh, definitely. Um, I've always viewed horror as being kind of like the fashion industry. It is a reflection of our current times. So it's constantly evolving. So, you know, what was scary back in like the 50s, you know, Universal Monsters, what was scary in the 80s, not necessarily going to be scary nowadays. And I think that now it's kind of come back around. Movies are a lot smarter. They're getting more of the atmospheric. That's a great word that you threw out our earlier. I I enjoy atmospheric horror. I like the Asian horrors that basically are not all about the jump scares. It's about mm. leaving the movie feeling kind of creeped out. And that to me is scary. And I think a lot of the, some of the newer films, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but some of the films nowadays are uh, more toward that. And, and you were talking about no kids, no older people. I think because now that people are getting older with the baby boomer generation, I think we're going to see more horror films about getting old. I mean, you got that movie, uh, The Taking of uh, Deborah Logan, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, she, she has Alzheimer's and, and that's a really scary thought for me. Uh, but I think, you know, on top of that, they had a, a horror story um, built into that. And I think it's just another example of just taking the current times and, and seeing okay what what are people thinking about now and what what would be scary about that and I think that's what they're trying to do at least with some of the films uh, do you want me to bring out my number one choice then absolutely so okay I picked oculus which came out in 2013 oh nice yeah uh, I thought it was a very clever film it actually made me feel creeped out uh, because th this was the first time I think in a long time that the villain didn't actually hunt down people. It it the the mirror is the is the bad guy and it's stationary throughout the entire movie. <laughs> 
so everybody else was making the making the villain scary to me, and I just thoroughly enjoyed that film because of that. I thought it was clever. I thought the acting was great, um, and it showed it showed a lot of these subtle things, uh, hidden things. I, I I viewed it as as kind of a, a story also about like a family kind of breaking apart because the the father cheated on on the mother, and I thought that that was an interesting way to take a story. And when I left the movie, I was I was like kind of creeped out by it. <laughs> and that's why I liked it. Yeah, Mike Flanagan, the director of that film, also did The Amazing Absentia. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen that, that's another one of these films. And he, that seems to be his his thing is that these really um, drama based horror films, you know, where there where there's an internal conflict between the characters within a family or relationships, and then some supernatural element is thrown into the mix. And if you haven't seen, I haven't seen Oculus yet. I've wanted to because I'm such a huge fan of Absentia. It's mm-hmm. Absentia is probably like my favorite horror film of the last decade. I'd love it that much. Mm-hmm. And um, so Mike Flanagan, he, he gets it. He, he really gets it. Um, Oculus, Oculus was decent. Uh, if, if you don't mind, Paul brought up a couple of great things. One of them is jump scares. I posted once uh, on uh, for I don't know why I did, but I posted on, on Movie Pilot of all places. Uh, on there, I made mention of how it was on one horror film on how, and I mentioned in general how these widescreen, these wide release horror films rely on jump scares for their scares. And someone posted, "Well, jump scare is a major tool for a horror film," and I'm like, "No, it's not." I'm like. And a classic example is Poltergeist, and, and I think I posted this on a comment somewhere too. Is Poltergeist? Uh, it, it used, I think, there were like five jump scares in that. If you mm-hmm. watch the original Poltergeist, there are now there might be one or two, but there isn't five. And and you look at the way they handled the scares and the ghosts and everything in the remake versus the original, and you can see the change in horror filmmaking by comparing those two because the new one has gotten lazy. The jump scare using that throughout your film I feel is a lazy way to get a scare out of someone just because that's a natural reaction. You could be in an action film and if it's really quiet and all of a sudden somebody jumps out, you're going to jump. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the flight or flight is there. But as, as Paul said, if you leave a film and you're still creeped out by it, that's a film that's effective or something right. happened in that film. That's got you just thinking going, Absolutely. that was, that was just screwed up, man. I, well, you definitely yeah. nailed it on the head there, Mark. And, and this was no more typified than uh, the preview that I saw before Mad Max yesterday. Um, for the new Sinister movie, um, Sinister <laughs> Two, which which I I labeled Loud Noise the movie, um, <laughs> and because all it was was a two minute trailer where every ten seconds there was a loud noise for a jump scare, mm-hmm. and, and that's what a lot of horror films tend to be in the mass market cultures because they don't want to take chances on on um, maybe subversive ideas or atmosphere because they feel that's a small screen concept 
where where on a big screen and they pull in people, they want that roller coaster ride. They yeah. don't want something that's going to be a slow burn that's going to going to creep them out. I mean, that's that seems to be nowadays a small screen concept. Wouldn't you agree, Andrew? Uh, I mean, they're 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 so narrow-minded as far as who they're making movies for, wide-release movies for. I mean, everything is aimed at a young audience. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not uh you know that if we we look back at some of the 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 cool, really cool older horror movies uh, and not going like super far back, which I'll talk about, but like The Exorcist, man, that's a grown-ups movie, man. That's a grown-up. Yeah. And the thing is, who was a grown-up back then is very different from who's a grown-up now. And I I'm not talking about horror fans who are just like stuck in there's like their whatever it is cuts off sometime in the late 80s and just they they won't accept anything after that um you know so that they there there's this idea that they just want retreads and re you know yeah. what I'm saying? they just want but they also are kind of asking for that because they won't accept anything that's doing anything different either so it's right like, why do they keep making all these remakes for me because that's all you understand you're walking around in your friday 13th t-shirt all day long and you don't want it you know what i'm saying <laughs> give me a break <laughs> man you're buying action figures of michael myers and you tell me you don't want more and more sequels i mean that you give them mixed signals you know what i'm saying and you right. you hate all the new stuff no matter what it is across the board so i think that you know there is there's room to write and I, i'm sorry i don't remember who said this but like making mature stories making like actual grown-up ass movies for people with a mature set of emotions um that's good don't don't try to pander to nostalgia uh, because that's for kids, you know. Poltergeist, that's fine. I mean, I hate it that they got the guy that made Monster House to make that because I think it's a waste of his talent. Because Monster House is a brilliant movie. Yes, uh, but like, uh, you know, there there needs to be there needs to be uh, an understanding that there is there are there is horror for everyone, and the the, the horror you're going to make for the youth market is not the horror that you're going to make for the adult market. This R rating thing is also pretty stupid because. Uh, a lot of the horror movies are super violent and gross. But that's a for a fourteen year old dude. Come on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's who yeah. wants gore and boobs. Kids want to see gore and boobs. Yeah. But you know the 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 rest of us as we get older, like we say, our tastes change. What scares us change, and um, we still want to see that. But we have to pay for it. We have to be giving it our money if we want it. Yep, absolutely. So what are the movies that you brought to the table tonight, Andrew? Um, well, um, I want to I want to mention my my favorite one first, just in case it gets lost in the shovel, because my favorite horror movie of the last decade or more is Paranorman. And this is a movie that is a nice. stop motion animated children's film. Uh, but I think it's one of the most well-crafted horror stories that I've ever seen. I don't go necessary to watch horror to get scared, because honestly, the woman in black with Dana Radcliffe is the scariest movie that I've seen. <laughs> that made my hair and my arm and my neck, everything stand up. <laughs> You know, because that happened to pit on things that actually scare me. But mm-hmm. in terms of actually just a solid, solid horror movie that has all the things that I love about it, yeah, it was a kids' movie, man. Paranorman begins with this, um, this uh, a parody of an Italian uh, zombie movie, but it's all stop motion animation. This kid yeah. is watching an old zombie movie. The way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it feels, it's sending it up, and it's satire, but also. It nails it perfectly, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you how many dorks with fake scratch filters are trying to nail it. It does it better than Grindhouse did, and oh, they, yeah. they should be ashamed of that. But <laughs> but what? But but it's got a it's got a really really good story, 
and um, it doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to disturb you. It's scary, but in ways that like a giant witch in the sky would be scary, you know. But it's also it's got funny stuff too. Um, I watched it and I I couldn't believe how brilliant it was. And I started to think, all right, so if we've kind of let's say we give up on selling older people horror movies. Why can't we go back to the days of William Castle and make really good horror movies for children? Right. I think I think this is a thing that is totally untapped and and could really I would love to just go see it because here's an audience that's not cynical yet. Here's an audience that doesn't have all these expectations yet. Here's an audience that can actually just be impressed by things and be like perfectly okay with owning the fact that they just went, whoa, because I know some of you guys have kids. Taking a kid to a movie is a jam. Yeah, these guys are like, holy crap at everything. And that's the way you should be, man. You're not bringing anything except for I just want to have a good time. Where are the horror movies for them? Not Hotel Transylvania. Screw that. That's no movie. No. Well, and the thing. Well, the thing is, people are. I think a lot of at least in the the Hollywood circles, they're they're afraid of going that route. And I don't know how particularly successful uh, Paranorman was, it but wasn't. like Coraline, <laughs> and Coraline was another one. Oh yeah, that was super creepy that as was, well. That one actually is disturbing. Like I would <laughs> I would hesitate to. I would, it would kind of be a fine line where where a kid would actually, because you know the parents become monsters and with the black eyes and stuff. That, yeah. That's a freaky movie, but yeah. even still, man, it's a kid's movie. That's a Coraline's a great horror movie too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, those two movies go hand in hand for me because I love Paranorman. I thought it was a fabulous movie, but yeah. my my oldest, she was a little freaked out by it. She was a little mm-hmm. creeped by it's it. It's scary, and it should be. It's like when we saw Thriller and stuff. Thriller was on MTV all the time, even though it was a music video. The scary stuff works, and that's the thing with horror. Even if you have comedy, it still needs to be scary where it matters. And Paranorman has heads that come off, arms that come out. An entire sequence, and if you saw this in the, in the theaters in 3D, when all those corpses are coming out of the ground with worms crawling out of their heads, it mm-hmm. was it man, it made my heart. I was so happy, man, because I hate zombie movies mostly, and it was <laughs> the, one of the greatest zombie movies to me. It's in the top ten of zombie movies ever for me, and it's it's never going to be taken seriously, never. Nope. And, nope. And, yeah, it's a shame. And, and it's because it's a kid's movie, and we don't have a context for that anymore. But there was a period of time pre-Night of the Living Dead um, when children were the ones that went to horror, and horror was made for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one can sit and watch 13 Ghosts or House on Haunted Hill or The Tingler, any of that stuff, and go like, oh, yeah, this is for grown-ups. Grown-ups were like, what? I'm not going to see a horror movie. Are you kidding? Right. What about eight? Absolutely. So to me... Um, that can come back as far as I'm concerned. And if, you know, I guess if it was going to that, that it would have been the leader. But in 2012, we had Paranorman and Frankenweenie. And Frankenweenie is yes. a solid movie, too. Oh, Frankenweenie's brilliant for me. And not only just because it was a Tim Burton film. Well, when it was Tim Burton getting back to doing stuff that made me love Tim Burton to begin with. Uh, but I loved Frank and Weenie too, because that one was one that it was a little more kiddish, but at the same time, there were a lot of great references and stuff to him. I mean, when the kid comes into to the room and his parents are watching a hammer horror film, yes, and I'm, <laughs> that's what clinched that movie for me. And the reason is I'm watching that going a young 
audience isn't going to catch that reference, but adults who are into horror are, yet the kids are enjoying it and the adults are enjoying it, and it didn't pander to either one. You know, it gave references to both. I loved Frankenweenie. Yeah, yeah. because because we have a no a no remakes or sequels rule for this particular episode. That was the only reason why I didn't mention it. <laughs> that, that's right. a total monster movie by the end. Yes. Cool. So absolutely. Well, the original short is so fabulous. It's mm-hmm. such a, a great little piece of cinema. But um, let's see, Mark. Did we did we go over your? Did you just give your one main I, pick? Did I, you go over? I, I gave one pick, but I, I mean, I've seen so many. Um, headless, headless. If you want to talk real recent, it's the sister movie to a fantastic film, Found. If you folks aren't familiar with that, you should. Uh, now, Headless goes the extreme uh, film making and and gets gets into the the it's going to offend some people realm but it doesn't hesitate and that's what i loved about it was i never thought after i saw found that they would ever make this movie into a full feature only because of just the crazy extreme stuff they do with it but the film isn't just about the crazy extreme stuff. They actually give a solid backstory to the very sick bastard, uh, you know, the main villain uh, killer, and they give a great story to why he is the way he is. And they've got this creepy kid with this bone mask on that clicks and it friggin' creeped me out. Um, And it's an independent film. And like I said, it's going to offend a lot of people because there's a, there's, decapitation sex in it yeah um, it's, extre- it's extreme it, stuff and i mean honestly i'll tell you this um it, it, outside of the realm of like the films that i i've brought to the table are obviously they're independent films but um probably my hands-down favorite independent film uh horror film of the last four years was found mm-hmm. i've watched it far more times than just about any other horror film that's come out um it's it's such a great piece of extreme cinema with a with a real story and a heart to it and no matter how many times i've seen it i've walked away affected by it um mm-hmm. i've had questions about myself about my tastes about <laughs> about ever it's it's just such a good movie that um mm-hmm. I was I was a little hesitant that they were going to make um, because what Headless essentially is is the movie within the movie of Found um, because the the main character of Found is this uh, little boy who finds out that his brother keeps decapitated heads in a bowling bag in his closet and uh, they're horror fans and he tends to go and raid through his brother's horror collection his VHS collection and finds this movie called Headless. And watches it, and it's essentially, as you had described, a, a killer that decapitates heads and has sex with them. And so I was like, those segments of that movie of Found are so shocking mm-hmm. and so over the top that I remember sitting at a at a film festival, and when that came on, because I knew nothing about it, and watched it, that when those scenes came on. I literally, my jaw hit the floor. Yeah. And that never happens. Because it was just like, because it was almost like a coming of age drama Mm -hmm. up until that point. And then when those scenes hit, you were like, holy fuck. (laughs) 
what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and I was a little like when they announced that they were going to make feature mm-hmm. film out of it. I I got to be honest, I was kind of not on board. Right. Because I thought, well, I think it's perfect the way it is. Um, I think, you know, then it's just going to be one of these torture pieces, like we right. described earlier, where it's just going to be extreme gore, and that's all it's going to be. Which would cater, I mean, all the underground indie cats would, you know, lap that shit up, and they, that's that's still their bread and butter. And more power to them, if you're into that kind of stuff. Hey, I want you to listen to Astro Radio Z, too. I love you guys, too, because I was one of those people for a long time. Uh, but, uh I was a little leery, and it's good to hear that Headless is an actually is actually a good movie. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There are a lot of those extreme scenes in there, but within there, they actually put some context and and give you some understanding into what's going on with the guy who's doing these extreme scenes, and you could tell. I, you guys watch enough films. You can tell when a film is trying to be genuine and when a film is just trying to cash it in on the extreme stuff or whatever, uh, it, not just extreme, but you can tell. And, and this one, they put thought into Headless. It, it wasn't quite as good as Found, uh, but it's a different type of film altogether. Right. So, uh, you know, and it is extreme, but like it, I, the reason I put it on the list is because it's an extreme modern horror film that wasn't extreme just for extreme sake. They actually put some thought into the story behind it rather than just, oh, we're just going to show 90 minutes of this guy, you know, fucking uh, decapitated heads. Uh, (laughs) You know, so there's that one. And then there was another indie film. I think you got at least a chance to watch, Derek, and and I think everybody else might have here too. Uh, It's called Dis. Yes. and this is uh, from Michelle Maud, uh, a director, about a couple who ends up getting trapped in their uh, apartment, basically, during what appears to be a virus outbreak. Not this kind of a zombie outbreak, but uh, more of just making people savages type of outbreak. And the whole thing's uh, it's real psychological because there's some stuff that happened in her past. I really don't want to give away too much with it and uh, they're kind of a, um, a couple that's on the rocks so to speak and it just shows a psychological effect on people who have to be trapped inside the same room and can't leave and are stuck with each other and just day after day and, and how this thing's happening outside it's great psychologically I mean there are a few uh, really extreme scenes in it that'll make your jaw drop but again they weren't put in there just to make your jaw drop it shows you they're in there to show you how crazy these people end up getting because they're trapped in the room it's a great film because it's a metaphor Mm-hmm. And, and most of the films that, that hit me on any level, uh, being a horror film, and this is something that I've had to talk about when people ask me, like our why exploitation episode is like, why are you so into horror films? And it's like because the good horror films are a metaphor for something. Right. They're not just a superficial – like. Like a Friday 13th film is a superficial exercise in gore. That's mm-hmm. all it is. And I'm I'm a big fan of Friday 13th films, but they're not films that last with me. They're not films that make me think about things. And the good horror films are metaphors for something. And, and this 
certainly is a metaphor for just crumbling relationships and, and marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, regardless of the extreme things that happen in it, um, it had a lot to say. And it was a fabulous film. And um, there's uh, the other films that that I've also brought to the table here as well, Starry Eyes and The Babadook. The Babadook, of, it, it is entirely about grief and guilt. Mm-hmm. In about in about not having closure to something and not being able to move on, and um, wrapped around you know a, a slight you know supernatural horror film, which I wouldn't I wouldn't I I kind of hesitate to even label the Babadook as a horror film because extreme drama, really <laughs> <laughs> an extreme drama film maybe <laughs> a thriller. Well, it's uh, it's got supernatural set up. Yeah makes it horror and, and i uh you know he's talking about dis uh mode the director of that is a good friend of mine we were on the phone for a couple hours last week talking about so she's got a new script and i'd read it and we were just talking ideas for stuff that we actually want to work on together and we've kind of both agreed that what makes what definitely makes horror is if you put su- supernatural elements into it that that just puts you into your horror movie regardless yeah yeah you mm-hmm. got a, you got a ghost or a monster yeah sorry horror <laughs> Even if it's not, that's it immediately puts it in there. Well, that, that's like Silence of the Lambs, in all honesty. Silence of the Lambs is considered horror, and it, it does have those horror elements in it, but it... it it always, you know, that always puts that line of between horror and thriller. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of thrillers can be considered horror films, uh, and horror films can be thrillers or dramas. Um, and yeah, it's really hard to categorize it. But yeah, when you put a ghost into it, that's it. Horror. Yeah, you're horror. right. <laughs> Not a supernatural thriller, though, huh? <laughs> a supernatural thriller. That's a horror film. That's just a different way to put a horror film. <laughs> supernatural thriller. No, but uh, it's funny because you guys bring this up, and someone mentioned humor because even in in our humor horror realm, things are changing. I, I want to bring an honorable mention real quick. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Have any of you here seen that? Oh yeah, yeah, it's hilarious, man. It's a brilliant film. It yeah. is it is a comedy made for not just horror fans but but people who just like a good comedy. It's a mockumentary about four vampires who live in the same flat and you get a vision of their day-to-day lives. And each one of the vampires is basically a representation of the different types of vampires you've seen in other horror films. And while it doesn't have really a scary bone in its body, Oh, it is just, it is brilliant in all the references and things that it does with it without going, oh, look at us. It, it just, <laughs> it's a really, that one's a fun movie. That was one that uh, I, I told my wife, uh, you got to sit down and watch this. And she's like, what? And I'm like, it's, it, it, just trust me, you'll like it. And she sat down and she loved it. And her and I. So funny. Really don't have the same taste in horror films or or that type, you know, films in general. But when I tell her I think she's gonna like it, I'm usually right on. And yeah, she loved it. So, you know, even the humor 
horror genre. There are some people actually putting thought into it and not just being a reference parade. Right. You know, you know that Scream, unfortunately, gave birth to. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, what we do in the shadows, I would say, is like Mel Brooks level as far as satire goes. Oh for the God, genre. Yeah. And and that's I don't say that lightly at all, but it's because of what that subgenre has degenerated into, mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. for so long. Um, I was like, I thought this was a basically a dead category of movies, but those it's so sharp, it's so well done. It's like uh, you know, like Christopher Guest style or whatever. Um, but mockumentary, yeah, yeah. God, one of the vampires is like 8,000 years old and he looks like <laughs> Count Orlock. It's just so – but you won't believe the jokes, man. You just – they keep hitting. They keep hitting. They're so good. That's It's really rare. I forgot about that one. That's one of two good – I mean I'd consider Wolf Cop more of like what would be traditional horror comedy. It's just very well right. done, which is unusual. Um, but that – but yeah, what we do in the shadows, holy crap. That's right. I can't forget about that movie when I'm making my list. That was a great. One. <laughs> what do you think about uh, humor in horror by itself, the traditional? Because I think that's something that's kind of lost. In that, you know, you were also talking about the emotional roller coaster thing with the jump scares. I think they used to do that with the humor and the horror. Mm-hmm. And and that used to be a really good art form, you know, that they could they could play with your emotions really really well without having to do it with a jump scare. And so, what do you guys think about that? Well, the the humor aspect now is turned into the, the basically let's let's drop references to old things and let's mm-hmm. just remind you. It's either the ironic thing where this is so shitty that you're mm-hmm. gonna laugh at it, or it's uh, the humor is all based on well, do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, what about this? Do you remember this? That's funny, as opposed to actual jokes. And um, I don't know the the art of of a good horror comedy. It's that's pretty rare that that any of them get it right anymore. Yeah. They're they're all so extreme and so in your face that um, it kind of feels like they miss the point of Evil Dead Two. Um, <laughs> you know, or so, gremlins. Or, or Gremlins. Gremlins has a perfect humorous moment at a very tense scene and I love it it's in the house the gremlins are in the kitchen it's quiet you, you know there's something creepy going on and that record kicks in do you hear what I hear <laughs> you guys remember that scene at all yeah. yeah I think the funniest part of gremlins is when she tells that story yep it's so funny and the it's timing the of it it's like you're at the moment they put it in there see I, I think that's the thing you know a good horror comedy is going to scare you and also make you laugh like this that coin just flipping it over you know what i yeah. mean so like you will laugh because it's genuinely funny you'll be scared because you're genuinely scared and very few i, I think return of the living dead does that as well reanimator does that too and, and and when they do work the humor in for references to old, sometimes it's mean spirited. I, I bring it up again because I just watched it, but the Poltergeist remake. Uh, there's a line in there. It's not really a, this isn't really a spoiler, folks, but still, there's a line in there. They're sitting at a dinner table and they're talking to this family about the house they just bought, and the one guy goes, "Well, at least it wasn't built on an ancient Indian burial ground." <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> wow, really? I like that. That was just mean spirited, you know. It, 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 well, again, it's it's the 
do you remember this? Yeah. That's why it's funny. Do you remember this? I hate that kind of shit. I hate that kind of hand-holding garbage that just turns me off so immensely. And and everybody's suggestion so far isn't that type of thing. Uh, and that's what makes them great, and we're seeing more of that, just not on the widescreen. <laughs> I forgot to mention, too, uh, the guy that made Late Phases, his previous movie is a movie called Here Comes the Devil. If you've not seen Here Comes the Devil, that movie is awesome. It's Spanish mm-hmm. language. I think Late Phases is his first American movie. Yeah. That yeah, here comes the devil. Holy crap, man! That was a strong contender for being my top list. It's about this couple whose kids just disappear, and it's just—I think it was on Netflix for a while. I don't know. It's still, it's it still, still is. is. Yeah, that's a good. It's movie. on my list to watch. Yeah, I saw that when I was like, I horror suck. You know, I'm just like, I'm off. I'm turning in my card. I don't even care about these movies anymore. And a lot of this stuff is not on my radar. But uh, I don't know what it was that made me watch it. I think I got a good trailer, maybe, or the poster was cool. But that one's great, actually. Man, every time I say I'm through with it, there's you know, I'll see a really good one. Like, okay, all right, fine, another month or two, fine. Right. No, yeah, that's been me. That's why this episode even came about, is because one after another, I've been watching these movies going, Holy shit. What what where are these where are these movies coming from? It's it's because the same amount of good movies are still being made every year. It's just more bad ones are being made because more movies are being made. It's just a law of averages. The same number right. of good ones still being made. You just have to, you can't look at uh, what the fans are talking about online. Can't pay attention to that stuff mm-hmm. necessarily. You know, you got to do what you always did. Follow your taste because, and, and hopefully filmmakers are following their taste too and not trying to pander to you. Well, I think, I think Paul uh, will agree with me because he watches a lot of new release stuff too that it's the same thing with new releases. When we were younger growing up, we didn't have as many blockbuster movies that come out every week. Wouldn't you say, Paul? And now yep. I mean, we talked about that before. And, and now it's like your blockbusters every week. When when I was born, back in the day, Jaws, Jaws was number one at the box office for like Two months, <laughs> two or three months, and and other films like when growing up in the eighties, some of those blockbuster films were out in theaters for <laughs> months. And now, if you get a two week run out of a film, you're lucky. Well, it doesn't take eight months to make a movie. Back back then, it took like three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's what's hurting some modern horror too is the speed at which you can make things now. People, uh, some of the people out there are, are just throwing stuff together so quickly because they can, and that not much thought is put into it. But these ones that everybody's mentioning so far are ones you can tell there was thought put into it, and as Derek perfectly put it, they're not pandering to the people. They're they're telling a story. And yeah. who, who watches it and what you get out of it, that's up to you. They aren't going to handhold you. And I hate when a film handholds me. Yep, absolutely. It's it's the death of, of any film is the moment that, and, and we do keep coming back to this over and over and over <laughs> and over again on Astro Radio Z, but that's what killed the Evil Dead remake for me. Um, but anyways... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, you know, this is kind of the whole point of this episode was that it, it, there still are good horror films being made out there that you don't have to settle for a Poltergeist remake. And I'm sorry, we're 
pointing at this as you know the antithesis of what we're talking about right now but it it typifies the ex- exact thing that turns me off from most modern horror that's being pushed out there now we're not specifically we've talked a lot of indie stuff but we're not specifically talking the micro budget stuff tonight because there's always great stuff coming out of the micro budget scene in the and the the mid to low uh budget horror genre there there just always has been and there always will be because that's where the people have the passion and they actually i mean they have to put their money where their mouth is because they have to pay out of their pocket or they have small-time investors that are helping it's not like these big huge films that are just you know the money's going towards stuff with brand recognition so to see Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you 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 can't go to the multiplex for horror and then complain about it afterward. I mean, to me, it's like people are like, "Oh, this Poltergeist remake sucks." I'm like, "Do you go to McDonald's and go, wow, this gave me diarrhea? What happened?" You <laughs> 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 went to McDonald's. That's not food. Well, no, no, don't get me wrong. I wasn't expecting a lot from the Poltergeist film, and I I mostly went to review it for. We live film because I wanted to do it for my segment tomorrow, uh, you know. And it was better than I thought it was going to be, but it was still middle of the road. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not down on Hollywood. I'm just saying that it is a business, and they're going to make business decisions. Yeah, exactly. The way it goes, you know. Exactly. They'll do something like, hey, with Jaws, where they're just making a big budget B movie. You know, sometimes they'll do that. They'll take a chance like that, and everybody will be like, wow, this is great. And you know, meanwhile, we're all sitting here going like, we. No, right? <laughs> but but it doesn't. I mean, but that's cool. What you hope for is that they'll catch up to what you're, what you kind of want, you know? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And they they were overjoyed when like Slasher came back because of the scream because they're like, yes, we could start doing this crap again. Right. Well, that's why they love horror though, because it's cheap to make and it. And it's all about opening weekend, regardless if it's a horror or the big budget film. And I mean, look at look at Texas Chainsaw 3D. The film made back like its budget in the opening weekend. They love horror films because uh, the studios love it because they're they're for them they're cheap to make, uh, and people will still go see them. And that's why I always get frustrated when big studios put out found footage films. If that just isn't a spit in the face, because I well, like, yeah, and that's I have to pay a lighting guy to do that, you know? <laughs> no, well, exactly, well, exactly. Well, that's kind of the reason why I didn't even want to bring this stuff into the conversation because it's obvious. Right. That's all. That's all pandering. We're garbage. Talking about the good stuff. Not that. Yes, we're yeah, talking we're, about the it, stuff. Sorry. There's a reason why that's yeah. not. I mean, why Hollywood cinema, horror cinema is dead is because that's all it is. It's all that crap. So to to even talk about it is kind of pointless because those sorry. aren't the films we. Those, no, no, no. I'm not. That's nothing against you, Mark, whatsoever. It's it's just like the films when when people sit and whine about the state of horror cinema and then go pay money to go see sinister two. Yeah. Um, you, you essentially have no leg in the race. You, <laughs> you've just handed in your card and said, yes, I like 
throwing my money away. Please just open my eyes and put something in front of it. At the, you know, the, the average moviegoer is just kind of like the average the person that listens to music, the casual listener, the casual viewer, someone that just goes to see something, someone that just go, buys music to just have something to listen to. That's not the fan. That's not the cineast. That's not the discerning person. That's not the critics. You know, those people are, uh, you know, they're they're driving up the sales list. They made Creed famous. You know what I mean? That's oh, oh God. So it's like you know, they're, <laughs> Give your money to uh, what uh, you know, and and I think downloading is also complicit in that too. Oh yeah, totally, absolutely. Well, let's let's wrap this up, boys. Let's quick fire list off because um, I, I know I made you guys bring in a, a, a few films uh, to kind of list off for the listeners of uh, things that you thought typified this new movement of. Well, it's always been, but you know, right now the modern, the good modern horror. So Andrew. Go ahead and start and list off, including the stuff we had already talked about. List off the films you wanted to bring to the table. Uh, oh, uh, well, I want to say everybody pick really great stuff, man. I'm mean, it's really cool, and I'm glad that I happened to see the post about this show because, uh, yeah, I'm I do I do go back and forth on it, and sometimes I'm like, D- are you a horror fan because you watch every horror movie that comes out? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't I don't think that qualifies you. At one point in time it might have back when they made, you know, more good movies, you know, the, the averages were just more on your side. Mm-hmm. But like uh no, as an adult I can't say, but um I will I will put these two together um because they they're both in black and white, but um, a girl walks home alone at night and um escape from tomorrow. And I've talked oh, on this show yes. about escape from tomorrow before. Yep. Uh, but I think this was just, you know, uh, I'll talk about this one first because um, this is a uniquely digital movie. This is this could have only come from right now. Some people went into Disneyland or Disney World, I don't remember which one, and shot a horror movie there. And some of it's on green screen. They didn't shoot the entire thing there. But they shot most of it there. But there's a decapitation in the very beginning of the movie. I mean, right away, it kind of tells you, no, this is, not, this is not some indie thing. This is definitely a movie made to scare you. It's got surrealism in there. It's got perversion in in there it's got a lot of sick stuff Mm -hmm. but also it just goes for really creepy atmosphere you know because when we think about the great black and white horror movies you know a lot of people think of frankenstein uh, the universal stuff things like that uh repulsion by um by um, Roman Polanski and then uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead. This oh. movie, Escape from Tomorrow, is informed by that kind of stuff. And if yeah. that kind of stuff scares you, you're old. But you would enjoy, <laughs> you would enjoy this movie. Um, uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at, at Night is also in black and white. But this movie is not like anything that I've ever seen ever. It's beautiful. It's atmospheric just like that. It is scary. But it's also one of these things that you can tell is a very very personal experience and uh, that is also a thing that is unique to the independence is that you're getting this direct line from the person that made it and just because of the natural combination of things that you have inside from your experience as a freaking human being means that you could possibly if you've all the cylinders are firing crank out a piece of art that is really unique and still has the kind of stuff we love because this is a vampire thing and I talked about Paranorman earlier I can't really stand zombie stuff don't care for it I really am so particular about it that I don't even I can't even call myself a fan I'm the same way about vampire stuff I can count on maybe half a hand the great vampire stuff recently but this is a vampire movie but it's a vampire 
uh, wearing a traditional Iranian garb on a skateboard. (laughs) But nothing I can say. I had a hard time reviewing this movie. I have a hard time even talking about it. You just have to sit in it and let it do its thing to you to really get what they're trying to do with this movie. But in terms of like, you know, there's the scream is always like, we want original horror. We want original horror. Uh, And my question is, do you? Do you want do you, is that, is that really what you want or do you just want to watch old movies and don't watch anything new because that's really what I recommend if you don't have an open mind if you're cynical if you're jaded if you're disappointed all the time you don't have to have a bad experience with cinema there are decades and decades of great movies stop watching new ones but if you still have that capacity to enjoy art and to be fascinated and surprised then um what check this stuff out man because just because it's doing something different doesn't mean that that's bad 100 percent with you on that one and that's a movie i've wanted to see for a while ever since i saw the initial posts about it that movie looks fantastic i can't wait to see it it is dude and the, the behind the scenes stuff you'll love it because it's just some people sitting around making the vampire effects and stuff making the teeth and stuff they're just sitting in a room you know it's so low tech it's so low tech but yet they have such a great grasp on uh on on the the camera itself you know like like halloween has you know it's a mm-hmm. budget movie but it knows how to use the camera and light it's to me man it's just it's so simple and uh it makes you sit there and go like all these concepts that people try to kick around and go like i'm gonna bust everything open by taking this but doing this and then this movie just rides in on its little skateboard with its little f- flapping thing comes through and just knocked everything on its ass seriously i mean if that doesn't end up being my favorite movie of the whole year it's going to take something really special to knock that out of there awesome awesome mark hand me hand me your your quick list <laughs> well i already talked pieces of talent and headless uh this what we do in the shadows i mean that's just a handful some of them are duplicates to what our good friend glenn bittner would have picked uh housebound yeah. was another one you mentioned it already Derek babadook um you know it, it there is a a a plethora out there. You just have to look for it or take a chance. Late Faces. I loved Late Faces. I didn't know what to expect from it. We Live Film, uh, Scott Menzel guy, he managed to get a screener for it because they sent it to him because he's on some of those lists. And he goes, oh, here, check this out. And I'm like, Late Faces? What the, you know, werewolf movie? Okay. And Nick uh, Demichi in there is freaking one of the best characters ever this mm-hmm. I've seen of recent years in a horror film and the werewolf transformation is something that I will say as close is probably as close as I've seen in a long time that comes close to touching on American werewolf in London transformation as far as how it was handled um, and that's yeah late phases is one uh, you guys all mentioned all the really great ones I, I had on the list too so uh, trying to think of some others as well and it's it's tough right now but uh, we didn't say excision and contracted uh, in in you know just referencing body horror along with starry eyes and uh, and yep. um, honey honeymoon also if you saw that it's kind of an alien abduction sort of story yep. there, there's there's yeah I actually haven't seen honeymoon yet I don't want it I want to but it's really um, it's like a lot it, like like a sci-fi evil dead sort of way better than uh, extraterrestrial it, watch that 
there is a lot of bad out there. There's a lot of middle-of-the-road stuff out there, but there is more cropping up that is standout. Um, you know, and, and you just got to take a chance, though. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, go to the, you know, pick, just pick a random film from the list of, of, of you know, recent horror films, if it's 2014 or 15, uh, you know, video on demand and that, the, especially when you get later on, or if you get Amazon Prime's great, you wait for these things to roll around. Uh, you know, I... There was a, a found footage film, and it's funny because some of these modern widescreen films uh, do partly get there, but they end up falling apart at the end. There's one called As Above, So Below. It was a found footage film, and I'm I, really hard on found footage films. And the first half of that film was was fantastic. I loved it. Second half of that film, it fell apart, and the ending was, was kind of cool. But... Uh, you know, so there are hits and misses and mediocre, but take a chance. Take a chance on Housebound. You you may you know really get a kick out of it. Uh, look at some lower budget stuff. Look past. I will say, look past the visual production value and look at the story and what people are going for, especially for the some of the independent stuff because they may not have the budget to wow you, you know, visually. But if you pay attention to the story and the characters that they're presenting to you, you get creeped out, and uh, you'll find that it's a really decent movies out there uh, that may not visually wow you, uh, but the story will wow you in the end. Well, let's all remember that one of the greatest horror films of all time wasn't necessarily one of the most visually wowing films of all time, and that would be the original Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So... But now we have cameras that, that the basic uh, person can, as long as they have some nice glass in front of it, can make beautiful-looking films. So yes. you should be able to strive for both of those. But Paul, give your, give your quick list of all your films that you have mentioned and that you would like to mention. Okay. Uh, Oculus uh, I talked about. I also talked about uh, the taking of Deborah Logan. Uh, also on my list, I did uh, love Starry Eyes. Uh, you, you, had, you had picked that as well. It's an amazing movie. Uh, I've also selected a movie called Pontypool, uh, which oh, is yes. slightly older. Pontypool. Uh, it's an amazing story that is, it takes, takes the zombie genre and kind of flips it around and, and does something really unique with it and I really enjoyed what they did with that movie uh, and then there's an independent film that came out uh, a few years ago called Ghost Light and for an atmospheric film I absolutely loved it and it, it was like the traditional ghost story and that's what I in, I really loved this movie Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. And I'll wrap it up with um, the the quick picks that I and, and the funny thing is through the conversation tonight, it reminded me of one that I totally like. I've watched so many times. It's found, 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 found is is <laughs> is an amazing independent horror film. Love that movie. Um, we've we've talked about Late Phases, which is seriously an old blind man in a retirement village that has werewolves. Um, and the werewolves are pretty freaking awesome, too. So that was a really great patient flick. Um, Starry Eyes, we've, we've all kind of talked about it, uh, uh, just like passingly talked about it, but it, it, it's absolutely a body horror possession um, psycho 
it is such a weird like it's got a aesthetic like the 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 soundtrack sounds like it's something out of the 80s you know everything now has this carpenter angle to it i mean it follows definitely had that kind of feeling with its its synth based uh soundtrack but starry eyes kind of has the same type deal about an actress trying to get in in the film industry and then she tries out for a horror film and the horror film is actually run by I don't want to give away anything, but, but she essentially has to sell her soul to get in this horror film and bad things happen after this point. Uh, super great. Another great patient atmospheric horror film that just builds to this insane climax. Um, so that was, that was another one. Lee phases Baba Duke, which we've, we talked about. There's, there's just some really great stuff out there right now. And, and uh, anytime that I've heard and I've been, I've been guilty of this um, as, as Andrew has also stated, you know, there are times where you're just like, fuck it. I'm uh, here's here's my card. I'm done. Uh, I think I, there's nothing new coming out worth a worth a pinch of shit. I'll just go back and I'll I guess I'm gonna watch through all the Hammer horror films and maybe one of those will be good or maybe I'll go back and I'll, I'll check out every every single Swedish lesbian vampire film that ever came out or whatever. But uh, there are actual good stuff, and the funny thing is, now it's all at your finger fingertips. If you have Netflix, or you have Hulu, or you have uh, Amazon Prime, or you have any of these things, is that a lot of these good middle-ranged, we're talking like million to ten million dollar uh, films, uh, horror films, are now all getting on the streaming sites because that's their small screen experiences now because nobody can push out the money to be able to put them to theaters anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have all these films at your fingertips. So it's a very exciting time. And uh, right now, I'm really happy that there's some people out there starting to care about horror cinema again and not just regurgitate the same fads and trends and and all that nonsense so check these films out people you'll love them all the films that were talked about tonight really great stuff so let's wrap up the episode folks and let's do i'm sure this is where everyone turns off the podcast but fuck them if you're if if you like cool shit you'll listen to this and you go you'll go and actually follow through and uh, check these cats stuff out andrew shearer tell the fine folks where they can see your amazing movies and listen to you talk about amazing things concerning film Thanks, ma'am. Hi, everybody. Thanks for still listening. Thanks for not turning off the podcast. My name is Andrew, and one of my things I like to do is make my own movies, but I'm not in the movie business, so I could do whatever I want. Um, on Amazon On Demand, I have a few uh, features. There is Fake Blood, there is Mondo Gonzo, there is Pajama Nightmare, and the latest one is called The Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S. These aren't necessarily horror movies. I'm playing with all kinds of different genres. Um, with There is, you know, there is blood, there is, you know, giant breasts there uh, there is comedy there is zombies there is vampires there's it i got everything man just kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and crawls you know crawls down so check it out (laughs) mark the movie man shoot 
Uh, best place to go is specialmarkproductions.com, kind of the launching pad for all the stuff that I do. Uh, I do reviews for welivefilm.com. I do two horror segments a week right now, Tuesday Terrors and Horror Thursdays. Uh, plus, I do written reviews there. I have uh, my final cut, which this year I focused completely on independent films, so I haven't put as many reviews out, but nearly all the films I reviewed on the final cut this year have been independent micro-budget films, uh, so check that out, plus my older reviews there, and then you can go to, you can also find at Special Mark Productions the Spoiler Room podcast archive, which, uh, my own podcast that I have, which uh, many of these fine folks have been on a number of times, and we talk various subjects, uh, there's interviews on there, I've gotten some surprising interviews of people I never thought I'd talk to, I ended up talking to, so um, yeah, you can go there. Awesome. And last but not least, Mr. Paul Salzer, go for it. Yes, if you like uh, written reviews, those old-fashioned style reviews, you can find me at forsakenfilmreviews.wordpress.com. Awesome. And obviously you can find me at astroradioz.com. If you enjoyed the show or you want to talk to me personally about any of the things that we talk about on this fine family centered program uh, you can get a hold of me at astro radio z podcast at gmail.com uh, you can find all the other shows concern that are linked to the astro radio z channel we're talking about film jerks which hopefully there'll be another film jerks at some point it kind of seems like it's died off a little bit well we did have an episode that fritzed on us so that yes he did you it's did. Not my. That my. No, fault. it's not. Okay. <laughs> they fixed the hyperdrive. The so, hyperdrive. It the only hyper, goes to yeah, that point five. Yeah, unfortunately, we had a recent episode that Fritz. So we'll have another one soon. I've got to put up Paul's suggestions for we live, for uh, film jerks. So. Oh, awesome. uh, uh, Andrew's movies is is on one of my picks. Oh. No, <laughs> that's rad as fuck. No, you that's can't. Really rad as fuck. That ain't. That's. I'm not on Netflix, man. <laughs> no, no, not one of your movies, but the okay. movie that you picked today. Oh, okay, cool. I was gonna say you guys yes. don't even. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, blood. Well, it would be cool, though. Netflix. It would be cool. Oh God, no, I don't. Want... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only movie that needs to go up there is the erotic couch. The erotic, the erotic couch. <laughs> I, you know what, dude? Can I just mention that uh, I the, the putting the word erotic in the title of the movie is the best thing I ever did because people always buy that and something else so they don't seem like a perv. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great decision. I wonder EI Cinema did it so much. He's yep. He's he's dropping the knowledge on you, listeners. Dropping yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, Stoogecast mm-hmm. and Film Jerks all here on the Astro Radio Z channel. So please continue to listen and subscribe and all that jazz. If you want to buy some some sleazy horror movies, you can go find our new uh, anthology horror film. Hole in the Wall on Vimeo on Demand on IndieRain.com. Uh, uh, we still have a few copies of the limited edition VHS. The DVD is done. Just has to get sent out, and that will be ready for purchase soon. So keep in touch, keep looking, and keep listening. Thanks. Take it easy. Goodbye. <laughs>
like a bad girl should. That was coming out still. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's a good point, yeah. Well, the only other thing that I saw, I, like the previews, because, I mean, obviously I've seen Mad Max a couple times now um, that looked remotely good was that Southpaw movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with uh, Gyllenhaal, who just got, like, scary beast mode. <laughs> right, right, but that's still, oh, like, like a, it's a, it's a, it's like, it seems really disturbing drama, you know, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say, like, action. I mean, I, I can't, it's a good thing the fa- Furious, the Fast and Furious, the newest one came out before, before? Mad Max yeah. and not after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I still have yet to watch any of those Fast and Furious movies. People keep telling me the last two are the ones to watch. They're, they're just really ridiculous. They're guilty pleasures. They actually got better as the franchise went along. I have to admit, five is still, to me, the best. And in a lot of people, five was like the best because it was just crazy. It was like a heist movie, and it was it was just fun. <laughs> this is like when people try to get me to watch one of the Hellraiser sequels. They're like, no, no, you got to see eight. Eight's the one to watch. <laughs> the guy's telling me it's seven. Another one tells me six. No, most of the consensus is five is the best one. Yeah. But... yeah. Was I, I've always heard it. The way people describe it to me, it sounds like, uh, are they like the Crank movies? They, oh, God, Jesus. No, no, they're not like the crank movie. They're like, uh, they're like, they've become now like a superhero show. Only people who drive lots of really cool cars. It's it's a great formula because they constantly follow them. I don't know if Paul's seen all of them or not. Um, uh, nope, just the uh, Tokyo Drift. There, there's there's a oh to, you saw the worst one out of them. I know. Right? Um, <laughs> it, it is the Tokyo Drift. How it always one. goes for me. No, normally, the way it goes is there's there's some kind of bad guy uh, that picks on Vin Diesel's family members, or he Vin Diesel gets involved somehow. He's a criminal, actually, so he gets involved somehow with some really big, super mean bad guy, uh, and they end up becoming the good guys. But at one point, at any of these movies, at one point, there's going to be a car race competition that shows scantily clad women dancing on hot freaking cars um, in slow-mo with some rhythmic beats and that that seems in every single movie guaranteed were you trying to get us to watch him or yeah, yeah, yes. Why don't they just do? Uh, why don't they just do Mask? Remember Mask? The, like the best '80s toy. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they could do that. It could be like part Transformer, part Fast and Furious, or whatever. I can see that. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Actually, gr- Fast and Furious meets Transformers. I'd watch that. That would be awesome. No, they need to start co-opting, doing Fast and Furious and Death Sport or Death oh, there Race. there you go. Death oh, Race, oh, Fast and Furious, I, Death Race. <laughs> If there were mutants in those movies, I would watch them. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, for real, yeah, I would too. So my, wife, my wife and I kind of enjoyed the Death Race movies too. The new ones. I saw the first. Yeah, I saw the first new one, and I thought it was okay. They they weren't bad. They're were supposed to be precursors to the Death Race movies. Uh, Doomsday was way better than Death Doomsday Race. was was a lot better though. Yeah, Bob I Hoskins in that, that one. one. Yeah. Bob Hoskins surprised me in that one. I'm like, oh, crap, it's Bob Hoskins. (laughs) What's he doing in this film? He can get down when he wants to. 
Yeah. Well, he could. Now, now he's just permanently down. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but hey, gosh. you know, he was one of the first guys to get experienced uh, working with, uh, you know, non or animated actors. Now it's like yes. Rabbit's the template for pretty much everything. Yes, absolutely. And he yeah. did fantastic in that too. Roger Rabbit's still in my top ten all-time favorite movies. He, he could have given classes on how to act with a tennis ball or whatever. Well, that movie, that's all anybody does now. Yeah, for real. And that movie had, I mean, the stuff they did in there, even though, I mean, all the animatronic stuff they've worked in there so it could work with live action and stuff. I love Roger Rabbit. It's still a technological marvel of what they pulled off. But Never mind the licensing. There. Yeah. Oh, and it's some, and it's some pretty, and it's some pretty screwed up shit for a, a oh, kids yeah. movie. Panic! Um, panic! <laughs> oh my god. But uh, I always loved it because of the licensing nightmare that had to be because of all the cartoons they had in that thing. They could not pull that movie off nowadays. There's no way. Did you? Did any of you guys see Tomorrowland? Yes, I did. There's I that scene when they, so you know which part I'm talking about, when they go into that, that's, that's that uh, novelty store and there's yes. Star Wars shit everywhere. Yes. Disney shit ever and there's Iron Giant like uh oh the Iron Giant Indiana Jones in the back. yeah there's, there's shit all over the place like I've never seen so much Star Wars stuff in a movie that wasn't Star Wars <laughs> right well be prepared yeah, Marvel like, Star Wars all that stuff yeah it made sense. So people complained about it in Tomorrowland. I'm like, it made sense, though. I'm like, yeah, it may have been a little excessive, but if you go into a shop like that, you're going to probably see a whole crap load of Star Wars stuff. No, and it's, what a, it's what a store like that should have been. Yeah. And, uh, ah, don't get me started on the criticism for Tomorrowland. I'm actually going to record it. I'm going to record a review on it. It's more going to be a statement of, have we become too cynical for a movie like Tomorrowland? Um, but... The answer is yes across the board for every movie. There was was no one in there when I was in there. Mm. But wouldn't wouldn't you say though that Andrew that part of the criticism might be because it's it's we're too cynical nowadays? Oh no, yeah, it's not cool to to have hope. (laughs) No, God no. I mean it's it. People people seem to have forgot the bulk of family movies that Disney produced, you know, that made them the family movie brand. Mm. And that's what Tomorrowland is like. And people are just too cynical towards it. I'm like, I see nothing wrong with this film outside of the fact it screams, shoot me in 3D. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Uh, there was so many. Any movie where someone's on a jetpack should be in 3D. Don't, I think everyone here would agree no, with that. No, no it, it's yeah, serious. Paul. Freaking Poltergeist was in 3D, but uh, Tomorrowland wasn't. And if there was any movie to come out recently that should have been in 3D, it was Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only movie that needs to be seen in 3D is is the one where the the flamethrower guitar comes flying at you yes. in a glorious fashion. <laughs> did he? Did George Miller not use 3D like he's an 80s director using 3D? Oh. That shot reminded me of like Jaws 3 and all those. 80s. Oh my god. The person I the person I went with yesterday giggling every time that fucking guitar guy came on the screen. How can you not? 
priceless. It was I, I that movie is so fucking good. It's so good. <laughs> How can you not giggle every time you see the guitar? <laughs> oh my god. You, you got to give respect to a bad guy who brings his own soundtrack with him. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted that ever since I saw I'm going to get you sucker. I've always <laughs> wanted a, a back band that that walked behind me no matter well, where I went. Wait, in New Orleans you can hire a, a, a some street musicians to play but as you walk through, you can actually rent a miniature oh, band. Can you really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very very short notice. You can they'll, they'll just send a few dudes and they can play as you walk. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved in that scene too was the guy. He was sleeping, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh oh, we're moving, and so he starts up. The <laughs> Or when they slowed down to stop, he he slowly slowed down the music and it, right. it every time he got bumped, it got fucked up. You know? <laughs> and flame shot out of the guitar, and <laughs> it was practical. It was it, they actually made a guitar shoot flames. I could have used that at a few venues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy that I tried to light the fire. Yeah. Like and a, apparently that whole thing worked. The amps, the guitar, everything. It 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 was functional. <laughs> well, he'll go, he'll go on tour if he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Probably has no hearing left. <laughs> Just don't play Rhode Island. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> There is so much, so much green screen in that Mad Max film. <laughs> you just have to see it in 3D and you all that stuff. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is all fucking <laughs> on green screen. Yeah, everything that wasn't a practical practical effect was was pretty obviously not, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was very, yeah. but that, that's the way it should be. But still, eighty like 85% of it was practical, which is more than most of your action films nowadays. So I don't know. I, I want to say that the, t- the scales tip a little more in the, in the comping, you know, computer graphic uh, realm than people are giving it credit for in that movie. Cause I think they, there's a lot of comping going on. They've in that movie. got a, they've got a behind 20 minutes behind the scenes that shows you how they shot most of that stuff. Uh, that's online right now. A mm-hmm. twenty minute behind the scene video showing you the guys in the the guys in the uh, harnesses and all kinds of shit and how they were nervous about Tom Hardy being on the, apparently the swinging pogo. Uh, <laughs> it was also on set color grading. Everyone was actually blue and orange. Yes, yep. there was. <laughs> late at night. 